This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living. Welcome to the PGA of Canada Tea Talks podcast. My name is Mark Rowe from TSN. I'm so excited, excited to be back with you, and I'm so excited to chat with our next guest. Um, she is unbelievable, and when I say unbelievable, I'm, it's probably an understatement saying unbelievable because uh, she is the first woman ever elected to serve as an officer of the PGA of America, PGA president, and PJ Master Professional. She also happens to be the PJ Director of Instruction for the Country Club at Marisol in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. And after serving two years as PJ Secretary and two years as Vice President, she was elected as the PJ of America's first female president at the PGA annual meetings in November of 2018. And if that's not enough for you, how about this? In 2019, she was recognized as one of golf's top 100 teachers in America. She's a Golf Digest top 50 instructor, LPGA top 50 instructor, a two-time Connecticut PGA teacher of the year, and a 10-time Golf Digest state teacher of the year. It is a thrill to welcome Susie Whaley to the podcast. Susie, uh, we're it's so great to have you on what an unbelievable resume I'm we're only just scratching the surface but uh, it's this is great having you on thank you so much I'm going to take you on the road and just have you introduce me wherever I go Does that sound <laughs> <much>? <laughs> hey the golf road is a good one uh, you go to a lot of great places so I'm in I'm in um, I'll work for cheap and uh, I'll just yeah absolutely I'll ride your coattails all day long so it's you know as much no, as I'm happy to chat with you. Um, anything in Canada, I'm always happy to chat with them. PGA professionals in Canada, the golf programming in Canada. I mean, it's it's unreal. I mean, the talent that's produced out of Canada. So I'm always thrilled to be a part of it. Well, it, we're excited to have you on here because not only do I get to to pump up your ego, but we also get to pick your brain because you have so much to you know, to tell golfers, but also to help other professionals be better at their job. And this is what this is all about. And, you know, we we often talk about what this industry has gone through over the last couple of years. So the the natural question that I have right off the bat for you would be, what are some of the biggest challenges that you have seen for golf and specifically for PGA professionals since the pandemic? Such a great question. And, you know, there's so many people that struggled through the pandemic and, you know, everybody's hearts go out to those that lost ones, loved ones. And, um, you know, but as we look at the game and we look at the industry, we were so fortunate to be in golf. It was a place of refuge for so many, for those that already played the game, obviously, but for those that had maybe left the game for whatever reason it might have been, family or illness, they, they re found it they they came back to the game for those that had never tried it they were willing to give it a go because it was a place that could be outside with friends and family in a responsible way and when you think of that you think of those that were out of their homes 
making sure that people had those experiences. And that was PGA professionals. So, so every day we had the good fortune of getting out of our houses while so many were stuck inside. We were going to work uh, masked, obviously, uh, in an environment where we were still offering business to those that wanted to consume it. And while that was fantastic for the industry, for manufacturing, for sales, for growth, um, it certainly took a toll on those that were working through it each and every day. Um, we, we didn't have the workforce to really sustain it in a way that would give people who were working time away. And so what you're seeing now is the effect of that. You're seeing overworked professionals, people who um, put in extra time because we want to. That's who we are as an industry. We are service professionals. Um, but working, you know, seven days a week with less staff um, for many more hours over the course of the last two years um, has really put a heavy weight on those who have families, on, on mental wellness, on balance. And so now that's what really I think the allied associations are trying very hard to do is to ensure um, they're checking in with their PGA professionals, to ensure that people are taking time away, that they're healthy, to talk to owners, to talk to boards of directors, to make sure that that human capital is valued as much as the capital that was made through the last two years through revenues. Yeah, that's such a great point. And, and one, you know, even I can relate to as someone who's never worked in, in the golf industry, but, you know, I, I got into my business probably the same way you did. And that's, you have a love for something and a passion and it, and, you know, it never felt like work. So when you are putting in seven days a week and you're 80 hours a week, or whatever, it doesn't necessarily feel as bad as if say you worked in a cubicle, but that being said, as you just pointed out, you're not at your best when you're overworked. And, and that's from a, a mental standpoint and a, and a physical one as well. So I, I guess is, is burnout a thing for a PGA professional? I think it is a thing. I, you know, I, I think, you know, while many people probably don't relate to that because they, they're thinking right now as I'm saying, it, oh, give me a break. You know, you're outside. You're right. playing golf every day. You know, that's, and I understand that perspective too. But, but from a seat uh, of witnessing and seeing and also somebody who's, who works in the business, I, during the pandemic, was working every day. Um, so I, I also live it, you know, you, you realize very quickly to your point, I, I'm in this business because I love it. I'm in this business because I love being outside and I love being with people. So all of those things were fantastic for me from a wellness standpoint. Um, and I'm only going to speak for me and not every other PGA professional because I can't relate to every situation. But at the same time, I, I as a leader, want to ensure that facilities are, are are taking care of those who put in that time for them. I want to make sure that as, as they look to use the capital that they now have and the resources they now have to invigorate their staff, to give their staff some, some resources that perhaps weren't available in those last two years. And I think it's more of an education and awareness so that so we ensure that the younger generation of professionals has the opportunity to do what we all have done and loved in a way that makes sense for their lives uh, in a new generation and in a new time. And I think that's going to take time and effort from all the allies. It's going to take time and effort from facilities. And we just need to make facilities aware of a new generation's needs and how they value their workspace so that we can give consumers the absolute best experience possible. 
And it's funny, like you've really embraced a, a leadership role. And it's funny, I, I say that as if like I've known you for 10 years, not the last 10 minutes. But, you know, I, I have to imagine that there is an element that you've broken the glass ceiling for women in the PGA world. And if that's the case, how do you manage that level of a sort of role model status for young women in the business? Yeah, I, I enjoy that, and I enjoy speaking with young women who are coming up in the business and hearing their perspective on facilities and understanding that there are PGA professionals, male or female, that have very different career tracks, and, and I think that's what's exciting about the golf industry. It's an $85 billion industry, if not more, to date, and there's so many different ways to consume it and to work within it. And that's what I try to showcase to any PGA professional that reaches out to me. But when women reach out to me, you know, people that were my age, many of us went into coaching and teaching. I went into coaching and teaching because I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not for everybody. And just because you're a female doesn't mean that's the track you're going to take. So I try to always share the opportunities within the game beyond coaching and teaching. If that's your love, fantastic. Um, But being a general manager, being an owner and operator, uh, being in your side of the industry, which is in the media side of the industry, are all opportunities for women within the game that I think oftentimes goes overlooked uh, by young women. And so I'm just constantly trying to showcase to them um, that there is no no standard for them. There is nothing they cannot accomplish within the game that they want to accomplish. Um, and to, to really have some vision in what they want to be and what they want to do in the game that doesn't have a gender barrier to it. Which is so important because when so many people think of golf, they think of the middle-aged uh, white man uh, of a certain income bracket. So, you know, listeners to this podcast will probably all agree with what I'm about to say and that golf needs more diversity and, and needs more women. So, what can men do as an ally to provide the platform? Because that's what they need for women to strive and, let's say, destroy that glass ceiling that I was bringing up about you. There's so many ways to answer that question. I'll go on the employer side first. So people tend to hire people that look like them. That's just human nature. That doesn't necessarily mean people are prejudiced. It's just human nature. And until we get women in higher-level roles, at facilities, at manufacturing companies, at allied associations, it'll be very difficult for other women to see themselves in those roles. And I'm excited about the fact that more companies are hiring women. And Mary Lou Bond, for example, at a Kushnet holds a very high job. You look at the commissioners of the LPGA as a female, which that's fantastic. But when you look at companies and you look at private clubs and you look at public facilities and you look at municipal facilities, you look at um, media spaces. I'm now currently running uh, a media company, which is fantastic. But as we hire more women in higher level positions, they too will then hire more diversity. And I think it's our responsibility um, as diverse people in the game to bring along with us other people who perhaps haven't been seen in the game. Until that happens, Um, It's very hard as a female in our industry. We are still a minority in golf. And when you think about the PGA of America as an example, which is the largest sports association in the world, at 28,000 members, we're still at 5% women. 
you know, we're a little above six, seven percent in, in those people that come from a different background that's not white. Um, you think about those numbers, those numbers are horrible. And, and how do we make sure that we offer the opportunities so that golf looks like the communities that we all live in? And we're getting there. Obviously, 70% of the courses in the United States are public. Um, that, to me, is exciting because that gives us the opportunity to open the doors and welcome anyone that wants to choose to play. Um, but we have to do better. We, we, we have to promote and engage um, people that aren't white, people that are absolutely capable. Um, I'm not looking for people to hire people that, that don't have the background or the expertise. But we're out there, and um, to elevate is incredibly important so that others that are coming behind us can see that there's opportunities uh, to be had. And, and we have to do it intentionally, and we have to do it with action. And until that happens, um, I will continue to, to talk about it <laughs> in a way that's very real um, so that the golf world, and, and that's why I took on this role at Golf Nation, I have the opportunity now to showcase the game in a way that people who've never seen themselves shown in the game will actually see themselves shown in imagery, in content, in distribution, uh, and, and I'm excited about that. Well, it, it, you know, you you piqued my interest by saying that you you're running this media company. Uh, so as a broadcaster, um, obviously, and I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about that. You just alluded to Golf Nation, so maybe elaborate exactly what that is and what stage you are with uh, this new endeavor. Yeah, so Golf Nation, we're, we want to be the home for golf entertainment. That's who we are. That's what we were doing. Right now we're on web only. We just soft launched in December at golfnation.com. So you can get a sneak peek there just by hopping on any of your devices and go to golfnation.com. By the end of Q1, we'll be an app. Uh, where you can watch it on your mobile device, digitally. We're really looking forward to being on fast channels in the next six weeks on 30 million screens. And we are literally entertainment content for golf. So we're not following tour golf. We will follow some tour golfers behind the scenes and showcase their day-to-day, -day, um, kind of a quick sneak into their lives. But really we're all about the food, the community, the entertainment, the charity, um, and fun, fun content that people can watch and laugh and see themselves on the golf course. And so we're, we're literally bringing the game to people's homes in a way that showcases the community of the game. And I'm incredibly excited uh, to be a part of that. Yeah, that sounds great. That definitely, you know, as uh, I think anyone listening, certainly myself, when I hear that, that that's the kind of, you know, content that I want to see. And, and I think that's how you can really grow the game and you know i i mentioned your resume earlier and now we're adding on this company and it, you know we all saw the golf pro burnout article from golf digest so you, you i don't know you seem to be everywhere Susie. Um, i guess from a, you know a personal standpoint like how do you manage your time and and all these growing demands as a pga professional and all the things you want to do and yet you, you're, you're still trying to have a healthy balance in your life yeah, you know, people always giggle when I talk about this, and, and I'm so incredibly real about it. Like, I don't, I think work-life balance is a bunch of, you know what, it's a bunch of crud. And if you try <laughs> to have a work-life balance, you're like your whole life, you're just going to be spinning around in a circle. 
And so when I take on things like Golf Nation, which is this over-the-top television company, you know, certainly you look at me and you look at golf. I, I, yes, I am complete. I'm entrenched in the game, right? But I'm certainly not a TV aficionado or an OTT, um, you know, expert. I, I have to learn how to do that, and I have to learn what that means and how I can connect it to the game, but ultimately how I can connect it to consumers and to PGA professionals around the world, and how can I showcase them in a way um, that brings them more business, too, and we can sell product, and we can watch, buy, and play together. And so for me, when you think about balance and, and how I accomplish that, I have this amazing family entrenched in the game. My husband's a golf professional. Our daughter's a golf professional. Our other daughter runs the MIT Golf Club. So, you know, we, we, we love the game, and I love my family, but at the same time, I try to pick things that are passion projects for me. I try to think, pick things that I know um, I can give back through them, and, and that always gives me energy and enthusiasm and inspires me. And then I surround myself with people that are way smarter than I am so that I can accomplish what I want to accomplish. And I would tell you this, I, if I were to share anything with, with people who are listening you know, I've had many, many failures in my career. Everything always hasn't been great or, or, you know, you don't want to put it on your resume. So I don't want to come across like everything's always been perfect. But I, I think what I've learned throughout my career is it's okay to take risks. It's okay to be courageous and brave. It's okay to fail. Um, but what you do with that is what matters. You know, what, how you make it better, how you learn from that every day is, is what really makes the difference. And um, as cliche as it might be, I'm always looking to make a difference because it makes, makes me happy. And I think once you find that balance of, of what drives you um, and what gives you joy, if you can come out of every day finding a little bit of joy and happiness in your world, um, then, then I find that I'm balanced. And it doesn't mean every day is great. And it doesn't mean everything is great. Um, and I think once you get comfortable with that, once you get comfortable with being uncomfortable, um, then you can not stop worrying about work-life balance because it, that's just something that you'll chase forever that, that isn't a thing, in my opinion. Yeah, and I can I definitely uh, subscribe to the to the not being the smartest person in the room, and, and you know for me that's not hard to do, but um, you know. It, <laughs> But but <laughs> well, not only are we all in trouble if I'm the smartest person in the room, but you know, from maybe I, I guess a selfish standpoint, like that—that's how I grow—is is listening and seeing what other people are doing, and you know, everyone comes from a different background or has different strengths, and and I I, I admire it. I, I admire just talking to you know people like you, and you know, to, to bring it back to to you know your line of work, and we started this conversation talking about what golf went through through the pandemic. And it's one of the few things that during that time actually had a lot of positives, but I, I hear from a lot of professionals, the now what, you know, and, and that was a good period and we had a lot of greens fees, but like, what do we do now moving forward? And uh, like, what would your, what would your advice be in terms of an opportunity for the PGA professional and, and specifically maybe the ones on the ground and what they can do to continue this boom of golf that came from the pandemic? I think you have to reassess uh, your particular community. You know, things happen at the local level. They don't necessarily happen at a national level. And, and so, you know, I always try to share with people, like, reassess 
how your consumer base, how your constituents, how your members, whatever type of facility you work in or whatever type of role you work in, you know, what is their new objective? What is their new day-to-day? Because the new day-to-day has changed. And, you know, for some people, it's still remote. For some people, they're going back into an office space a couple days a week. For some people, they're going back in full-time. But because of what we all went through together, life has changed how people value their time. And I never want to speak for anybody, so I'm certainly generalizing. But people have found quality in other things in their world. Um, And some people aren't willing to sacrifice time away anymore. Some people want to put more time into family. So I think you really have to take a look at your product. You know, what, what are you delivering to the people that you're trying to service, meaning the people who are spending time with you, spending money with you? And, and time is money, right? People have choices, and they, they now have multiple choices back in their world that isn't just golf. So I think you have to really determine what, what was it they loved about seeing you and being with you or spending money with you, and how are you delivering that in a way that makes sense for them as they move forward, that you are now fitting into their schedule, not vice versa. And I, and I think you can't be carefree about it. You can't just expect people to continue to give you their business when they have other options now back in play. So what are you doing to make it easy for them? Is it online lessons, for example? Is it community activations? People are desperate for experiences right now. So I would tell you the way I'm trying to build packaging is through experiences because that's what people are valuing because they didn't have them for a couple years. So it can't just be about, oh, I'm going to meet you for nine holes. What am I adding on to that experience that makes me stand out from – a, a local fitness studio or a 45-minute session at, for a facial. Whatever it is, I'm competing with it, and, and how am I going to stand out that you value the time with me more than you value something else? And if I can deliver that, we will continue to grow in the game in a way that's substantial, and we will continue to get their friends and their family um, but people want to know you want to be a part of their community, and if you can activate that with them and give them an experience, I think you have business for life. And and it helps having the best people working at your clubs, doesn't it? Right, like it it, it the quality of of people. I, I, you hear this all the time, you know, whether it's golf or not. How you know uh, attracting. Um, people is such a growing concern for every sector and, 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 you know, how you can build sort of the brand of working in golf as this viable profession so that you can address these employment issues. And, um, you know, what, if, if through your experience and what you're seeing right now, what do we need to do differently or, or to mitigate at our facilities? So, we are attracting the top level talent to our clubs and our, our different companies within golf. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important that facilities acknowledge and market the importance of PGA members, the education and the background that they've received to be there, the accolades that they've either earned or have been awarded. I think oftentimes clubs just assume their members or those that are coming to their facilities know (laughs) the backgrounds of those professionals and how much effort they put into their career. 
and how much education they've had to receive to get the honors that they have. So whether it's a Class A professional, for example, in uh, PGA Canada or PGA of America, um, PGA of America, it's over 800 hours that you have gone to continuing education um, to receive that many times beyond a bachelor's degree. Many PGA professionals have MBAs and other master's accreditations that perhaps aren't shared um, with consumers. And I think it's so vitally important to be able to share that. On the other side of that, I always try to share the fact that sometimes it's just great energetic staff and enthusiastic staff that keeps people coming back. You don't have to be a top 100 or a top 50 teacher um, to have a full lesson book, as an example. It's how you make people feel that matters. And I think as we hire and as we look to retain great staff, um, I always hope to tell young professionals that, you know, don't get so caught up in what you don't have or what you don't know. Um, be open to what you can know and what you can be. Because if you are enthusiastic and energetic in our business, um, you will go far farther than having the perfect resume or having the perfect accolades on your resume. Those will come over time because you love what you do and that you go seek them out. But I, I always hire um, those that are willing to work those that are willing to be with people all day and that first interaction and the last interaction have that same impact and that same level of energy far beyond the person who has the most bullets uh, on their resume. And, you know, there has to be an element of, of willingness to change, right? And, and maybe that, that is getting out of your comfort zone or not. But, you know, you think of the, the game of, of golf and sometimes how rigid it, it has been in the past. And like, even as something is, is it seems simple to me, but like, you know, there's been a few players, you know, especially over the last few weeks on tour drawing attention for like kind of a more casual look when they're playing. Like, <laughs> yeah. when you see, well, and that's kind of like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm 38. Like I, I was introduced to golf as a kid. Uh, I was, you know, like having a tucked in shirt was always just a thing. And, um, and you know, <laughs> certain attire, like, what do you, what do you think of this kind of evolution on tour and, and something we should consider at a club level as we m- maybe rethink some of this, some of these like historically held traditions in the game? Well, I'll give you a perfect example. I, I was commentating for, um, the Pure Insurance Championship out at Pebble uh, last fall. And um, I was doing it with uh, Lanny Watkins, right? And I'm going to throw Lanny right under the bus here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so we're com- I'm commentating, and we, the, the, there's a young person in each group. It's a senior. It's a Champions Tour event. Mm-hmm. And uh, they play with um, some of these unbelievable young golfers out of first tees who have earned the right to participate. And I'm, I was on the ground, and Lanny Watkins was in the booth. And uh, the players, they started talking about the fact that uh, how he felt about people wearing shorts that were professionals in championships. And they specifically were talking about the PGA Championship and how the PGA Championship has allowed shorts in a practice round. Well, un, un, unbeknownst to Lanny, that decision was made when I was a president of the PGA of America and our board approved shorts in practice rounds. 
And my point being is I 100% think that PGA professionals at championships, especially in a practice round when it's 105 degrees in August, should have the ability to wear a pair of shorts. Now, that this will cause great ruckus on your podcast. You will get multiple texts saying that I have <laughs> lost my mind um, and that PGA professionals should never be in shorts. Well, Lanny, on the other hand, of course, 100% disagrees with me and doesn't think they should ever be allowed to wear shorts. So my point being, look, you're going to have people from all walks of life with all different commentary on this topic. But from where I sit, if we can have somebody pick up a golf club, put a golf club in their hand because um, we don't have a restriction of a college shirt tucked in with the perfect belt and the perfect slack and the perfect golf shoe, um, I'm all in. And that doesn't mean that I'm not a traditionalist. It doesn't mean I don't love 18 holes. It doesn't mean I don't like hats facing forward and shirts tucked in. I I grew up the same way. I grew up with a mom who used to put my outfits for tournaments in a Ziploc so I would get it right. Um, (laughs) But at the end of the day, um, I, I am all about people being able to play the game and enjoy the game. And if they want to wear a hoodie um, and, and play the game in a hoodie uh, at a facility, I, I'm not opposed to it at all. Um, but I'm here to tell you, it will cause great controversy all across the board. Um, but I'm, I'm not, if, if it comes down to somebody picking up a club and playing the game and choosing not to play the game because they don't want to wear golf shoes instead of a pair of Jordans, um, I, I, I don't see where the problem is. Why can't people just play the game and enjoy it? Well, I'm all for it, A, because, you know, if it's hot, shorts over pants uh, you know, all day long. And also, uh, this is the television guy in me. Uh, if people are debating that, that you know, it's, I, I feel like you, you should have your own radio show, maybe, if you're, uh, you're arguing with some of your colleagues. <laughs> that, make, that makes for good That's entertainment, right? That's a debate. You know, yeah. and, I, and I tried really hard not to go to the, the age thing, right? And um, because I'm <laughs> of old, course. Of course. <laughs> so I couldn't go there. But um, I'm here to tell you, like, it's still a thing. And, and I have, I think that's what makes it fun. Like, people are actually talking about what PGA Tour players were wearing last week. You know, I can't wait to the day people start talking about what LPGA Tour players are wearing. And, you know, the people don't seem to have a problem with, you know, a, a short skirt versus a longer skirt. Okay, you know, great. But let's get some controversy going because I just want eyeballs on golf. I want people watching golf. I want people talking about golf. I want people debating over golf in a friendly way um, where it doesn't get super heated. And, um, you know, you think about just having that conversation on Twitter. Like, everybody has a right to their opinion, including Lanny. And I just happen to disagree with him. And I think that's okay. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and, you know, Susie just – and talking with you, whether we're talking about wardrobes or we're talking about more diversity in the sport, you can clearly tell just how how much this game means to you, and that's clearly served you well as uh, someone at the top of uh, your industry. And you know, we're we're so lucky to be able to kind of pick your brain, to talk to you, and and to learn from you. So. Um, thanks so much. I've taken up a ton of your time. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. Uh, best of luck with this new season and uh, hope to be chatting with you down the road. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go to a facility. Let's just wear whatever the heck we want. 
absolutely. And we'll chat about it on course. Uh, but we can't do it in Canada. It would be too cold. I'll have to wear slacks. This is, yeah, this is not the, well, it depends on where you are in the country, but yes, this is not the time <laughs> to do it. We'll, we'll, we'll come to you. We'll, we'll meet up in Florida. Yes, exactly. Thank, thanks for the invite. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Susie. You bet. Um, you bet. And, and thanks to all you for tuning into this episode of Tea Talks Podcast. Uh, remember, be sure to subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean for your up-to-date podcast alerts and early access. This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living.